Hi, I'm Mark Roderman. Coming up on Front Row, the U.S. Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade. Existing home prices reach record highs, and President Biden calls for a gas tax holiday. Next. Major funding for Front Row is provided by Robert L. Luddy. Additional funding provided by Patricia and Ku Yuen through the Yuen Foundation, committed to bridging cultural differences in our communities. And by. Funding for the lightning round provided by Body Knoll Foundation, NC Realtors, Mary Louise and John Burris, Reifenberg Construction, and Helen Lockery. A complete list of funders can be found at pbsnc.org slash front row. Welcome back. Joining the conversation, Donna King, Editor-in-Chief of Carolina Journal. Morgan Jackson, Chief Political Strategist for Governor Roy Cooper, Democratic State Senator Jay Chaudhry, and Nelson Dollar, Senior Advisor, North Carolina Speaker House. Donna, let's begin with the Supreme Court ruling on Roe v. Wade. Absolutely. This morning, uh, Friday morning, the U.S. Supreme Court issued a decision that essentially overturns the 1973 law, Roe v. Wade, ending its uh, its its impact on abortion rights and on uh, in saying that you have a constitutional right to an abortion. Now, it's important to note that this decision, Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health, does not outlaw abortion. It doesn't ban abortion. What it, what it does is say that ends the federal constitutional right to an abortion and moves those decision rights to the individual states. Now, the uh, the conservative majority... 5-4 decision. It was a 5-4 decision on the conservative-leaning uh, U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, what they said is that the foundation of Roe versus Wade was wrong, that there was not a constitutional right to it, and that states have different gun laws, different tax laws. This now abortion law becomes one of the ones that will vary by states. There were no real surprises in how how the justices voted. And of course, we know that, you know, earlier this month, uh, actually in May, an, an early draft of this decision was leaked. Was leaked and uh, there certainly is expected to be uh, a lot of response over the weekend. Jay, your take on this ruling? Well, I'd, I'd say, number one, uh, the ruling's not surprising since we had the leak earlier. Um, I think what is somewhat surprising is if you look at Clarence Thomas's decision, the fact that he's signaling the fact that now we know that birth control could be struck down by the courts as well as gay marriage. So I think that uh, the, the completion of the of the control of the of the court now by conservatives is being seen in this opinion and frankly other opinions that have come out on gun laws and how we fund public education. Secondly, I think as Donna said, it really shifts the fight to the states on these issues and it should be a real wake up call for Democrats to focus on state legislative races. And the last thing I will say is that you know we know that the public opinion doesn't side with this opinion. Uh, I think it's I think it's good news for Democrats focusing on state legislatures that they have to bring the fight on focusing on uh, reproductive rights. I, we, you know, I think we saw abortion rights as maybe a motivator, but I think the fact that this decision is real is really going to animate folks um, and, and independent women, frankly. Morgan, to come that's out of a it. good segue. Politically, mm -hmm. what's the impact in midterms? I think this is an earthquake in the midterms. I think we are seeing, we've seen the environment currently favors Republicans with the wind at their back. Uh, this, in a similar environment in 2018, Democrats had a, a gale force wind at their back doing well. And then the Brett Kavanaugh hearings came and changed all of that. I think you're going to see a huge change in the shift to folks. When you look at where the- Base motivator. Base motivator. The challenge, one of the reasons that 
Democrats are having a hard time in polls right now is because Democrats are not motivated. This changes all of that. This makes it very Supersedes clear. Supersedes inflation, the economy, you think? I, I think for some voters it does. Listen, you've got an electorate that's 54% female. Uh, the battle for the uh, U.S. Supreme, I mean, excuse me, the U.S. Senate race, whoever wins the suburbs and wins them well is going to win that race. That's a big, big deal. Suburban women care greatly about the their, their own control over their own decisions of their body. When you look at the state legislative races, 90% of the swing seats that are up for grabs in the House and Senate this year are in the suburbs. Uh, women in the suburbs are going to be a huge focus, and this is a big deal. Nelson, wrap this up in about 60 seconds. Well, under the prior Casey decision, North Carolina already had informed consent, a 72-hour waiting period, parental consent for a, a minor, um, a ban on abortions for sex selection and those kinds of things. But what this decision does uh, with removing Roe, you will have um, a ban on abortion in North Carolina beyond 20 weeks. It goes sort of back to the old law that was in place in North Carolina. Uh, there was a, a bill that was passed in 2015 that tightened some of the emergency rules for being able to have an abortion past 20 weeks, that is still in the federal courts, and this decision will very likely uh, change the outcome there. Great conversation. I'm sure this is not the last time we talk about it. I want to talk to you, Jay, about existing home prices. They're going through the roof. No, they really are. Uh, so, you know, Axios Raleigh actually reported this week that uh, Raleigh, when it comes to home building, we're second in the country in all metro areas. And we have a hot housing market because it's a product of too much demand and too few homes. Uh, the Wall Street Journal talked about the fact that the first for the first time we're seeing U.S. home values go over 400000 The median average home in Wake County is $485,000. We do have rising mortgage rates, as you know, Mark, and I think that raises a real question about whether the regional housing markets are overvalued. Regardless, I think if you talk to folks in the Wake County Triangle market, they would tell you that the market might flatten a little bit, but it's still going to be uh, a challenge for us in the long term. And so I think the real question for policymakers is what do we do about the housing market? Should we put more money towards the North Carolina Housing Finance Agency? Should we subsidize fire, firefighters and teachers who can't live in the places where they work? Uh, should we expand tax relief to the elderly and disabled? Should we have renters tax credits? And I think those are the challenges that we confront both at the legislative level and uh, in local government. Is this a free market issue or we need government to weigh in here? Well. When government weighs in, they usually make the issue worse. I mean, but in the last two years, housing prices have jumped almost 40 percent, and that is not a normal housing market. A lot of folks believe we have a housing bubble out there that could burst as interest rates continue to rise, and we've already seen from the April to May numbers a very sharp decline in new home starts. That was down 14.4 percent. Building permits were also down. New data is just coming out uh, here Friday, which we think is going to also show uh, some slowing in, in the housing market. You know, COVID created a, a huge problem that, that uh, where people weren't buying, they weren't going and seeing the homes. So you had all this demand that came into the market once the COVID restrictions um, were released. You know, okay. residential construction uh, issues there. Um, or bellwether for recession. Morgan, but the blue collar and middle class families are getting priced out, aren't they? They're absolutely getting priced out. Uh, it, it is, you're having to folks, as Jay talked about, move further away from uh, where they work because they can't afford uh, to live where, where they've been living, frankly. Listen, this is a great market for sellers. Uh, it's a great market for home equity uh, as folks are, 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 their equity values are going up tremendously. 
the issue really is, and Jay talked about Raleigh, you know, Charlotte's fifth in the nation in new housing uh, permits as well, is that this is a lot of been driven in North Carolina by the new jobs that are being created and the, the population that's moving to the triangle, that's moving to Charlotte, that's moving to the urban areas, and it's creating incredible competition and driving these prices up. So I, while I do think there's there's a bubble coming, it feels like the Raleigh's and the Charlotte's are going to be immune a little bit longer than some of these other areas. Donna, is this a supply issue? I think it's I, I think it is partly a supply issue, but really this is a cost of living issue. Sixty percent of people say that ma making housing costs are very difficult right now. But some of this is some of it is left over from uh, the the eviction moratorium that was established during uh, COVID. Uh, a lot of these property owners are having to drive up rental prices to make themselves whole, hold on to their property. Uh, but really, the cost of living, inflation, housing, food, gas. All of these are critical parts uh, to the calculus that will determine how people vote and being able to house their families, being able to educate their kids, put gas in their car. These are all election issues. And when you print money, whether it's the American Rescue Plan or tax credits or whatever, when you print money and you put more money in circulation in the economy, it drives prices up. Okay, I'm changing gears. I want to talk about the gas tax holiday that the president's proposing, my friend. Yes, the gas price gimmick of the week. And this week, it's the 90-day federal uh, gas tax holiday that might get you a quarter or a half a tank of gas, you know, sometime between now and the end of the year. It's about uh, two dollars on a hundred dollars. Uh, right. Uh, uh, Congress is, is not enamored with this idea for a host of reasons. We basically have the absolute worst energy policy right now in this nation's history. And we keep bouncing between strategies and ideas, you know, empty the strategic reserve, put corn in your tank, which raises, raises food prices, the blame game, blame everybody, Russians, oil companies, whatever, and then go hat in hand to the most repressive countries uh, on the planet to ask them for more oil. Everything except doing what we should do, which is roll back regulations, invest in cheap oil here in America. We've lost over a million barrels per day in refinery capacity in the United States. We're shutting down pipeline projects. We haven't built a new refinery in this country since 1977. That's that's where we need to focus is our own energy infrastructure. I saw Stanley Hoyer came out and has some reservations about the gas tax holiday. Is it DOA, you think, Morgan, to Congress? I, I think it's a challenge to get there. I think what you see the president doing is trying a lot, move a lot of levers to provide relief. You know, it is extremely frustrating to people right now that gas is twice what it was last year. And as Nelson How talks... How big a political issue is it? It's a huge political issue. But listen, I always come back to... He and wears I, the jacket. He's in charge. He does. As the president, you wear the jacket on the economy. That's, that's the buck stops with you. But the other thing I'll say is, you know, it's incredibly frustrating to voters, again, that they're paying twice what they paid last year. All of us at the table are paying twice what we played last year. But at the same time... I realize there, it, it, the energy policy is very intricate, but why is big oil making so much money? But are they making so much money? These guys, what the, is their well, profit margin? These, these guys made thirty-five uh, billion dollars profit in the first quarter but this year. Three hundred percent. There's less supply. But why are so they making money and it's costing more us more money? Let me ask you: Is it feasible, Jay, to get rid of uh, fossil fuels at this time? Is green energy really the answer? Well, I, I mean, I think that misses the debate, right? I mean, we're looking at we're looking at a mixed 
mixed uh, mixed set of uh, energy policies. I mean, I think I think one to Morgan's point, you can't dismiss the fact that oil companies have uh, made a record amount of money. It's twenty five million dollars in the fourth quarter, seventy five billion dollars in the last quarter. In the United Kingdom, they're looking to tax that windfall profit so that they can send the rebates back to the consumers. But then, secondly, if you want to look at a short term solution, I think the gas tax rebate should absolutely be looked at as a as a possibility because I think it. I mean, I think in an economy where every single penny matters to families, uh, it, it's important to look at what we can do to help those families out. Donna, you think uh, families of, of America are blaming big oil or are they blaming Joe Biden? Not at all. I think what you're seeing is a, a lockstep commitment to the Biden messaging machine. Uh, what this is, is yet again, too little, too late in policy. It's a 3% discount for 90 days or something on a $5 gallon of gas. That's what they're paying attention to. And I think bad policy is bad policy. No matter how much messaging you put out there, no matter who you blame, it is still bad policy. And people will come back and they will try to fill up their gas tank and they're going to look at him. Well, let me ask you, Nelson, green energy, how far away are we from really having green energy cars? I think there's only, what, 2 percent of Americans have uh, EV cars, right? A, a tremendous distance distance. Uh, Eighty-three percent of the world's energy needs are provided by fossil fuels, only 17 percent by the by the renewables. You don't have the nuclear inter, um, um, uh, power generation base there. You're, you're going to have to have more natural gas generation. All you have to do is look at Germany, which well, I'll talk about later, that has gone way over to, to green energy without an actual rational plan. But Biden does have a plan. If we have a recession, gas prices will go down. Well, is it smart politically to go over to Saudi Arabia and ask them to pump more oil, you think? Listen, I think you have to do an all-of-the-above approach, uh, and I think that's what you see the president doing, trying to move every lever he can to reduce gas prices. You're a great advocate. I want to move on and talk to you, come right back and talk about the American Rescue Transformational Grants that the governor announced this week, my friend. So this is the first tranche of money uh, that we've seen uh, that is focused on rural transformation grants. Uh, that is, it benefits, it's $20 million that went out this week to 30 communities around the state, rural communities. It's really based on sort of three criteria. The first thing is to give, uh, to grant money to these localities for downtown revitalization. A lot of these small towns are seeing if they can get coffee shops, if they can get breweries, if they can get uh, these different kind of stores built in their downtown urban core, or not urban core, but downtown core, you see people want to come back there. You see jobs being created by that. The second thing is about site prep. Uh, it helps these communities fund a lot of these rural communities don't have the tax base to fund site prep for sites to bring the industry in. One of the reasons you can't find jobs in rural areas is that they're not prepared. They, they don't have the land uh, acquired. The localities don't. They don't have the site prep that it takes to like like you see these major transformations in urban areas. Uh, and the third thing is to uh, deal with quality of life. You see a lot of these rural towns who've lost their grocery store. They're food deserts. They and one of the things you see to get people back living in rural areas is you got to have an ability to have a restaurant. You got to have ability to have. Um, a grocery store nearby, you also have, have to have the ability to have affordable housing. And so these grants can be transformational for these small towns. Uh, and this is the first tranche. There will be more coming. This is all part of the American Rescue Plan money that's finally getting out through the states. Uh, and I, and it was, I, I think it's a big deal in rural North Carolina. Nelson, do we have an accountability mechanism for this? Uh 
see how the money's being spent? Well, we do. We probably have one of the best state auditors and uh, out there. Plus, you have federal audit requirements as well. But, you know, the Republican leadership in the General Assembly is largely from rural areas. So last year, prior budgets, you'll see it in the budget coming so up this, this year. So leadership is for this, you think? Well, yes, because we fund these. We're the ones that put the money in there. And not just these these grants, but... We have already appropriated hundreds of millions of dollars in broadband, water and sewer projects all over the state, school construction, roads. You'll see more major investments there, hundreds of millions in workforce housing, economic development, and health care in these rural areas to, to help, help them grow. Because what you have seen is, is about 40% of North Carolina's cities and towns around the state have actually sent a, a depopulation. So you have a growing state around the metro areas, and a lot of the rural areas are struggling. Infrastructure is the key. Donna, in general, should uh, uh, government be involved in economic development, do you think? Um, I mean, I think that that's nice. There's about, what, 40, $48 million for the sidewalks and empty lots and things like that. But, um, you know, real policy that plays a long game, that's truly transform transformative, uh, to me, that's a bigger deal. If you're talking about rural eastern North Carolina, something like the Atlantic Coast uh, Pipeline would have been much a bigger like deal. That. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you really need something that brings industry, brings prosperity, brings, uh, you know, all the coffee shops and sidewalks it will show up if you have, if you make a commitment to energy and things like natural gas in eastern North Carolina. These, these communities were devastated by COVID shutdowns, particularly the ones that are in tourism areas. These real uh, real investments in, in bringing industry, bringing energy policy, they uh, those will be the things that really transform rural areas. Jay, wrap this up in about 30 seconds. Put it in context. Well, well, real quick, just to set the record straight with Nelson, I mean, the money didn't come from, from General Assembly. Money came from a democratically controlled Congress that passed the rescue plan in the... in the of dollars, right, of state dollars. But the infrastructure bill that's allowing for broadband and the grants that are provided by Governor Cooper came from came from Congress. And I, and I think Governor Cooper is doing the right thing. If you want to try to grow the rural economy, you've got to have a healthy workforce, you got to make sure communities are connected, and you have a grow out that sector. I think you look at all the th grants that he's granted, it fits that strategy well. Okay, let's go to the most underreported story of the week, Don. Yes, absolutely. So uh, the U.S. Supreme Court, we were talking a lot about U.S. Supreme Court decisions mm -hmm. this week. Uh, one of them that the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that legislative leaders, in this case, uh, Phil Berger, Tim Moore, can intervene. They can step into the, vote, the battle over voter ID in that lawsuit. They had been kind of kept out of it. Now the U.S. Supreme Court says, yes, they have a right to be there at the table. Okay. What does that mean to North Carolina? Well, right now there's lawsuits on, on, ongoing about voter ID in 2018. North Carolina voters... We have voters, to show voter ID uh, uh, in November? That's correct. So, uh, no, no. But uh, in 2018, North Carolina voters, a majority voted that you should have to show an ID. It's been, uh, you know, tangled up in, in lawsuits ever since. Quickly, there was a religious uh, uh, yes. ruling on education and taxpayer money. Talk to us about that quickly. Um, yes, yes. So uh, there, was a, there was a ruling that uh, from the U.S. Supreme Court uh, that scholarships given by the state can include religious organizations. Now, that means that for North Carolina's Opportunity Scholarships, it, it basically the judges said that if you're going to offer uh, vouchers, scholarships to folks who need them for education, public, if it's public money, you can't take religious schools off the table as an option for uh, families who want to use that money there. Morgan? Uh, underreported this week, I think summer school is not only back, but it's accelerating. Uh, summer school has traditionally been used through the K-12 through system as a way to 
help kids that had fallen behind during the year to catch up so that they'd be ready for the next year. We saw during COVID that that, is exp that expanded, that a, it, was not, it was a larger group of kids that needed that access to summer school. Uh, and what we're seeing is this summer, not only did it expand last summer, this summer has expanded even greater to not only catch up camp, but for, to accelerate people who want to get ahead. And so I think you see a lot of folks talking about, and this is across the country, is that it gives an opportunity for kids to get ahead of next year. And you're looking at sort of a quasi-expansion of the school year because you've got, you've got sort of right. different sets of kids that are gonna spend, you know, are you talking about year-round schools to a certain extent? And you are for certain families. Jay? Um, you know, my colleague, uh, Senator Mujtaba Muhammad of Mecklenburg County held a press conference calling on the General Assembly to uh, use state funds to extend the free breakfast and lunch programs for public school students. Uh, that would cost the budget, it would be in the budget about $93 million. The reason he did so is that the federal pandemic program that we had in existence is going to run out at the end of this month. Right now, about 21 million students have access to free lunch that would go away. And uh, I think what's interesting is there is now a bipartisan effort in Congress to look at trying to continue that program that's also being championed by Republican Congresswoman Virginia Fox. Nelson. And it does have legs if she's, she's in on it. Yeah. Uh, the looming debt crisis. Um, last year, total global debt, public and private, topped over $303 trillion. That's three times the global gross domestic product. Uh, in the U.S., our total uh, GDP to debt ratio uh, moved up over 350%. Since the Great Recession in 2008, the U.S. economy has grown by 56%, while government debt has soared by 300%. So a reckoning is fast approaching in the U.S., but globally as well, and government's gonna face difficult choices. Austerity, default, hyperinflation, inflation's infecting Interest rates now. really affect our debt, right? Uh, they will, because yeah. every 1% of additional interest rate hike in the U.S. is another $310 billion to the national debt. Financial repression, which are capital and cost controls, are also uh, out there. Uh, learn the term financial repression. Of course, the best solution, of course, is higher real growth but we're not focusing on that right now. Okay, I want to go to the lightning round. Who's up and who's down this week, Donna? Uh, up, I would say efforts to engage more of the public, more parents in public education. There was a bill filed this week uh, by um, John Hardister at Guilford County that would mean the North... Republican. The, uh, Republican from Guilford County that the State Board of, uh, Board of Education would be elected positions. Right now, they're appointed. Um, that measure would say, okay, every voter has, has a, a say in who is he, he, heading our public school system. Uh, down, it's a small private uh, health care. The state appeals court tossed out a lawsuit over certificate of need laws. Uh, that certificate of need is basically a permission slip that tells doctors where they can set up their practice, what kind of equipment they can buy, that kind of thing. Uh, the court of appeals tossed it out. My friend. So who's up this week, I would tell you, is Arizona State House Speaker Republican Rusty Bowers. Powerful testimony. Powerful testimony by he and Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raff Raffensperger, if I said that correctly. I'm sure right. I butchered it. Um, is that they testified, and these were very strong Trump supporters and campaigned with the president, supported him. They stood up to the president despite numerous uh, bullying and personal threats to their own safety. It was safety. a really bad week for Donald it Trump. It was, a, and that's my down, brother. Uh, <laughs> it, it's evergreen. The, in all seriousness, these hearings continue to uh, 
give the signal that how bad the situation truly was in Trump's interference with the election. We all knew it, but but hearing Republicans say it is damaging to the president. And I think the question is going to be is, are Republicans seeing this and saying it's time to move on? Jay, who's up and who's down? I think I think they are starting to move on. Yeah, I, I mean, same as Morgan, really state election officials that testified in the, at the January 6th hearing, but particularly Arizona Speaker, House Rusty Bowers. I mean, I, if anybody hasn't watched this testimony, it's, it's an amazing testimony that I think also talks about how much he affirms and is really almost divinely inspired by the U.S. Constitution. Um, who's down? I, uh, to quote uh, Axios Raleigh and Tom Petty, this was the last dance with Mary Jane uh, in a closed door in a closed door meeting. The House House uh, Republicans what you're talking about Mary Jane. <laughs> some of our younger viewers. Mm. Well, we talking about cannabis. Okay. Uh, yes, but uh, the House Republicans. Weed, by yeah. the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, but the House Republicans all but killed the uh, medical marijuana bill that overwhelmingly passed the state senate. No comment. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Nelson. Uh, up King Cole in Germany, uh, where they've invested heavily in renewables, even though it's not very windy or sunny in Germany. Uh, they shut down their nuclear power, thinking they could rely on Russian natural gas. So now they are back to lignite mining. That is the dirtiest coal that you can burn for power. So plan's gone awry. Who's down? President Biden, not for falling off his bike, but he continues to fall in the polls. Even some progressive polling organizations have his job approval down to 32 percent. And also they did, okay. a, uh, for Democrats, 18 to 34, a whopping 62 percent said that they are disappointed in what Biden is doing for them. Headline next week. I think it's going to be all about the budget, all about the budget and, and you know, could be Medicaid expansion. Uh, we have a budget next week, you think, my friend? I feel like we're going to have a budget and Medicaid expansion next week. Okay. Headline next week. I'm going to say that uh, Democrats raise a record number of record amount of dollars are reinvigorated and focus on the midterm 2022 race after row. Nelson, headline next week. Well, both General Assembly rolls out the budget and the reaction to the row decision. Great job, panel. That's it for us. Thanks for watching. Hope to see you next week on Front Row. Have a great weekend. Major funding for Front Row is provided by Robert L. Luddy. Additional funding provided by Patricia and Ku Yuen through the Yuen Foundation, committed to bridging cultural differences in our communities. And by. Funding for the Lightning Round provided by Body Knoll Foundation, NC Realtors, Mary Louise and John Burris, Reifenberg Construction, and Helen Lockery. A complete list of funders can be found at pbsnc.org slash front row.